How are you? Uh, I'm not dying as much. Excellent. Love so that. So that's good. Now it's just getting through this next pack and yeah, hoping, I just started that, mine this hoping that it gets better as time progresses. It should. Yeah, You'll start so. to regulate. We're talking about birth control. And menstruation. Menstruating for Satan. <laughs> Elise has been great, though. I've just been, like, laying on the couch, just, like, curled up with a heating pad and a cat, just, like, whining for yeah all weekend. And then, like, after work every day, just being like, I can't do anything. Yeah. I am dead. I am dead. <laughs> I have uh, left this world and gone on. <laughs> Corpus Christi. <laughs> anyway. Uh, welcome to The Strange and Unusual, where we discuss The Strange and Unusual. This is episode 69 nice. of our series, Seeking Out the Weird, the Unexplained, and the Devious from Around the World. I'm Roya. And I'm Casey. And today's episode is a discussion on those bad boys in the church. Gross. Yeah, mine is exceptionally gross. You got some I mean, like it's, it's definitely not. You got some kid diddling story? No, 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 no. I, okay, I, good. I did intentionally avoid those because I feel like I've been talking about some really dark shit lately. <laughs> so I'm just talking about Nazis. Oh, you Nazis, <laughs> NBD. <laughs> Super not dark. Not dark at all. Well, I'm talking about the cadaver synod. I'm so. not shocked that you're talking about cadavers. Yo, I'm playing. I'm playing a cadaver nun right now. It's yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Casey, you want to check that out? <laughs> Go over to Gehenna Gaming at twitch.tv slash Gehenna Gaming and watch me play Vampire of the Dark Ages on Friday nights at 8.30. You can also check us out. Not us. Me. The Royal Us. Uh, you can <laughs> also check me out playing The Midnight World on Thursdays at 8 p.m. on twitch.tv slash Gehenna Gaming. Which, shout out to you, James, because you've been uh, saying some nice things. And that game is awesome. It's like, it's like imagine if you took uh, Call of Cthulhu, but you made it like really good. And also not associated with HP Lovecraft, so it gets rid of all that icky racist feeling that you get. Yes. One of my favorite things, I watched one of the first playthroughs that he did um, with another group whose the channel name escapes me right now. But like the first thing that I was like really struck by was they were talking about the uh, trauma triggers. And he's like, if you fucking laugh at the word trigger, get the fuck out of my table, basically. And I was like, I love him. <laughs> I really liked that really open dialogue at the very first episode that you guys did mm -hmm. where it was just like, all right, this is my hard nose at the yep. table. These are like the you can talk about them, but probably need to like warn people you're going to talk about them first. Yep. And then like going through and doing that, like consenting to like what you cannot have in the story because it's just too traumatic or too dark or too whatever for you. Like that's really cool. One of my favorite things about Gehenna Gaming is that they actually have a consent form that you use for any kind of role playing game. And it's like you know, sexual abuse or racism and like all these things that you think about that could possibly hurt somebody at the table. And yeah. you can check, is it a red light, a yellow light or a green light? And you can yeah. say, you know, how comfortable everybody is. And I really liked the um, like, I need a break system yeah. and and that to like help people because like that's a really good it's it's a way to take role playing, which is already kind of therapeutic mm -hmm. and then actually make it therapy. 
Yeah. Because you it's can great. just say, like, no, that's too much. I need to take a breather. Like, I have to stop right now. Yeah. And it's a full stop. It ends. And then, you know, James even says, like, we'll take a break. You and I can talk about it. We can, like, deal with what is happening and then decide if we can move on or not from there. And I was just like, that's really cool. I really, yeah. It's like role playing in, you know, 2021 when people give a shit about your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so shout out to you, James. Yeah. I have appreciated all the uh, nice comments at the end. I'm glad that I was able to uh, make you uncomfortable with... Which one was it? Was Pedro Alonso Lopez? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. So I hope I can continue telling you about uh, spooky... Telling everyone about spooky people and true crimes maybe that you haven't heard of that are a little bit more off the beaten path. Yeah. Also, if you want to check us out personally and not just listen to the people that we love and want to plug, uh, you can find us at uh, <laughs> on Twitter at underscore strange unusual on Instagram at strange underscore unusual underscore podcast, where I don't think I updated last week. So I should probably do that after we're yeah, done. You didn't. Sorry, guys. Also, you want to um, you you want to plug James? Did I hear that right? James, did you hear that right? <laughs> I said it. If it makes you uncomfortable, <laughs> tell me if you need a break. <laughs> um sorry (laughs) so uh what else what else are we on facebook yeah you can find us on facebook where we don't talk about plugging people i promise (laughs) wow this got i have to i have to like talk to him on thursday (laughs) huh so i have to talk to him on thursday (laughs) i know i can't wait to listen to the episode oh boy anyway uh so i guess the nazi story is probably worse Oh, yeah, probably. Go ahead. I mean, it it is Nazis. Like, it's, it's not the worst I've talked about in the, like, amount of detail, uh, but it is still Nazis. So. Excellent. Is it? Uh, huh? Oh, uh, no. I was going to try to, like, relate it to on, on levels of Nazi. Is it blank to blank? But I was like, nope, all Nazis are bad. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, he was not one of the, like, poor sods who got pulled into it thinking that he was helping and then hating everything that happened he was not one of those guys excellent well not excellent but let's go so let's start with the wee woos the wee woo. so so we're in 1940s europe which means nazis nazis also tbh uh wee woos for the catholic church because that can probably honestly rightfully be really triggering for some folks yeah so heads up there as well so, Casey, you are, are probably familiar with this because I know that you like forensic files. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I feel like I know where this is going and I love it. So I put but- on forensic files to fall asleep. Like, that's how much <laughs> I love forensic files. I've watched every episode voice. on Netflix about 30 times. <laughs> There's a ton on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. There's like like 20 seasons or something. Like Damn, stupid. Okay, I've been missing out. I got to go to Amazon Prime. <laughs> um so born in Campini, Transylvania in Austria-Hungary at the time, in eight, in 1918, Valerian Trifa was born the only son of a school teacher and the nephew of Osif Trifa, um a Romo- Romanian Orthodox priest who founded the Oaste Dominuliu, Dominuliu. <laughs> Sounds right to me. <laughs> also known as the Lord's Army. Um, basically, they're taking a stand while um, the 
different governments tried to oust the Romanian Orthodox Catholics. They were the, like, not-on-my-watch team. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. So he went through his education and studied theology at the University of Chinesau, and then philosophy at the University of Bucharest, and then in 1939, he studied history and journalism at the University of Berlin. He moved to the United States on July 17, 1950, using the D- Displaced Persons Immigration Law or Act. I saw it written both ways. Um, he told immigration officers that he was a victim of the Nazis during World War II, and that when he left his native Romania, he was taken by the Gestapo to Dachau con- to the Dachau concentration camp. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Yeah, I believe that's right. I had to write a phonetic next to it because I was like, da chow. (laughs) No, that's not how it is. The one one language I'm I'm comfortable with uh, phonetically is German. So if you need help, let me know. (laughs) He would fill out his name as Viorel Trifa. And in 1957, he would become an official U.S. citizen. With his connection to the Romanian Orthodox Church, he would go on to become a priest and would swiftly rise up the ranks and become the Archbishop of the Diocese of Detroit, and would officially take the name Valerian at this time, which is admittedly kind of a sick name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fuck you, Trifa, but cool name. (laughs) However, everything wasn't perfect for the Romanian immigrant, when some of his fellow Romanian immigrants felt that they recognized Trifa. They claimed that a man with the name of Trifa had been a die-hard follower of Hitler during the war and was also a leader of the Iron Guard, the largest pro-fascist group in Romania. They were basically Romania's version of the Nazis, um, anti-Semitic, violent, and encouraging violence be done against those who they perceived as their enemies. Their uniforms, salutes, gatherings, speeches, manifestos, all that kind of stuff were strikingly similar to Nazis. And once Hitler rose to power, they were just like, ah, yes, our leader. Got it. (laughs) Don't like that. So Valerian Trifa was adamant that he was not involved with any of this, that Trifa was an extremely common name in Romania, and it was probably just somebody else. He was not ever a member of the Iron Guard. He had been a victim of the Nazis. He had been kept at concentration camps. On January 20th, 1941, so going back in time, this was what... Um, was reported from the Romanian Jews about the Iron Guard. So January 20th, 1941, a radio broadcast was made from the Romanian capital of Bucharest encouraging violence against Jews. This resulted in thousands of Romanian Jews being rounded up in Bucharest and hundreds of them slaughtered in what was also called a pogrom. So one of the news accounts re- one of the news accounts reads as quote, perhaps, and this is rough, heads up, Anybody out there who's listening who is a Jew, I mean, you probably are aware because I started this story saying that we have Nazis, but here we go. So, quote, perhaps the worst, uh, sorry, perhaps the most horrifying single episode of the pogrom was the, quote, kosher butcher last Wednesday night of more than 200 Jews in the municipal slaughterhouse. The Jews who had been rounded up after several hours of Iron Guard raids were put into several trucks and carried off to the slaughterhouse. There, the Green Shirts, another name for the Iron Guard, forced them to undress and led them to chopping blocks, where they cut their throats in a horrible parody of the Jewish traditional Jewish methods of slaughtering fowl and livestock. 
Oh, I fucking hate that. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. <laughs> like, are they just, are they like, not going to say Nazi light because clearly they're not light, but I mean like, are they like the dollar store version of Nazis? So basically they had the like same. Like green shirts, brown shirts. <laughs> I just instantly went to like uh, Boy Scouts. Girl Scouts. Are they brownies or are they? Brownies, daisies. <laughs> Eagle Scouts. Uh, keep in mind that we are not laughing about Nazis. We are making fun of Nazis. <laughs> yeah, Nazis are the worst. I'm saying, like, do they do they look at the Nazis and go, oh, that's a really good thing. Let's be the great value version of Nazis. So from what I could understand, it kind of seemed like they both came up at the same time. Same time. Gotcha. They had that, like, similar ideology of the anti-Semitism and, you know, master race, superior race, blah, blah, blah kind of Puke. belief. And then when the Germans stepped up and were doing it and doing it well, the Iron Guard was just like, oh yeah, we're going to just like work with them. Like we're just going to throw our weight behind the Nazis and just be the Iron Guard. Well, they suck. Yeah, they suck a bunch. Punch your local Nazis if you have any. Yes. Uh, The radio broadcast was the start of all of this, according to Romanian immigrants. And this was done by a man named Viarel Trifa. They also stated that Viarel Trifa had been the editor of the Iron Guard newspaper, which also called for violence against Jews. These writings and speeches created an atmosphere where this sort of action was permissible and even encouraged. Does that sound familiar to anybody who was alive mm. in 2020? Uh, yes, my my story has a little bit of that uh too from 2016 to 2020 approximately yeah i have a little bit of a i have a little bit of a thing about that also interesting interesting how these dirty clergy members are um Hmm. however there was definitely a dilemma there was no evidence that had been found to directly connect this man known now in the u.s as valerian trifa to any actions associated with the iron guard all they had to go on was decades old eyewitness accounts from romanian immigrants One Romanian refugee named Charles Kremer, a dentist from New York, refused to just let the case go. His relatives were counted amongst the Jews that were killed in the pogrom in Romania. He petitioned the U.S. government for 20 years to look into this case. And in 1973, the Department of Justice finally opened an investigation on these allegations. The U.S. approached West German government... Uh, for assistance as the German government had kept very detailed records of Nazis and Nazi-adjacent actions for these exact scenarios. They wanted to find everybody and bring them to justice. Mm -hmm. In their archives, in a record group known as Small Collections, there were 22 postcards signed by a name, signed by a man named Viarel Trifa, who had been a member of the Iron Guard. Whoever had written these postcards was definitely not a victim of any concentration camp, but was a guest of the Nazi government and led a fairly comfortable life. Sorry, I I just want to, if you hear scratching in the background, Jackson just found a plastic bag. (laughs) Proceed. How could they prove that Valerian Trifa was the very same Viral Trifa, though? So first, the U.S. reached out to Gideon Epstein to investigate the handwriting and see if there was anything visually similar between Trifa's known handwriting and the postcards. After months of comparing known signatures of Trifa to the postcards, Epstein was confident that these postcards had been written by Valerian Trifa. However, 
This isn't exactly enough to prove it in a court of law because handwriting analysis is not an exact science. No matter how much they try to make it seem like it is in procedural dramas. And how much I want it to be because I feel like that would be the thing I would do. (laughs) I love looking at handwriting. Okay, sorry. You're fine. I mean, I think that there is some merit to it, but it's not, it can't be an exact science because people can mimic other people's handwriting too easily. Yeah. The thing is that uh, I find about handwriting is that like generally if you have the habit of writing a letter in a specific way, you can usually tell how somebody lifted their pen or, you know, where they started and that sort of thing. And so those things I think are valid if you have a very clear cut case when you're getting into the real nitty gritty it's it's obviously you want more than just the the handwriting analysis yeah but it doesn't hurt to have i also think that um there is some merit to the like how it's written like with the the pressure and like how swift it looks like it was written to like the person's comfort level like especially if it's like a a victim's note or something Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's a good way to tell, like, was a ransom note written before the person got there when they were still calm? Or was it written on the site because they're anxious? Yeah. That kind of stuff. And also, what was it? BTK, who had the same spelling mistakes? Ugh. Yeah. And good old Denny. look, honey. This guy spells it the same way you do. (laughs) I thought I was gonna have to kill her. Well, fuck you, dude. So while they were doing the handwriting analysis, though, the postcards had been enlarged for an easier comparison. When investigators noticed something on one of the cards, it was a pretty much blank postcard with the writer's return address on it. They think that it was probably just to update the two writers on where the person was currently living, where VRL had moved to. And on the exchange in the large blank space, the investigators saw what they thought might be a fingerprint. So they petitioned the West German government for the actual postcard, but were denied due to a concern the postcard might be damaged during the investigation. Because this was at a time period where they still could they only had access to dust and that would have ruined the postcard. They would never Mm -hmm. have been able to get the dust off of it. So due to this, the case stalled. But like a lot of old cold cases, new new technological advances changed the game. In this case, a new piece of technology came out in the way of the laser that also was put into use in forensic science. It was discovered that a, what's it called, a diffused laser will react with the oil and fingerprints and cause the prints to luminesce. So, with even more benefit to this option, the laser is a non-invasive form of fingerprint analysis. And in 1982, the West Germans brought the postcard to the FBI for analysis. And from the episode of Forensic Files that I watched, they basically said that, like, this technology was so top secret that, like, the Western German government could walk the postcard all the way up to the door where this equipment was housed. Then the card was removed from them and taken into the room. They were not allowed to even see the equipment that was being used. That's pretty cool. There was a concern, however, that the finger oils so many decades earlier might no longer be present, or at least not to a degree that would allow them to be visible. But almost dead center in the blank spot of the postcard was a glowing left thumbprint when the diffused laser was used. Awesome. When Trifa had been brought through U.S. immigration, 
he had been fingerprinted. So the FBI used that fingerprint and compared it to the latent print on the postcard, and it was a perfect match. Valerian Trifa was VRL Trifa, former member of the Iron Guard. Once Valerian Trifa found out the connection had been made, he immediately surrendered his U.S. citizenship. For a number of years after this, Trifa was unable to find a country that would accept him um, until 1984 when Portugal finally agreed to let him in. Say, why didn't he just go to Argentina? <laughs> he would later die in exile in Portugal in 1987. So, I remember sorry, that one? And there's the one with the Nazi that they thought was Ivan the Terrible. They did that on um, on Forensic Files, too. I don't think I ever remember that one. Not Ivan, the like Russian Ivan the Terrible, but the one, the Nazi one. Mm-hmm. Um, so Charles Kramer, who was the biggest advocate for the case continuing, mm-hmm. said after the announcement of the findings, quote, I would have much, I would have been much more satisfied if the trial went on continuously and exposed this murderer with all the crimes he had committed and let the people at large know that a man that's changed the gun for the cross does not belong in the United States. Hot damn. I like him. I mean, it was clear that he had, it, it was a long time coming for him to get justice for his family. Yeah. And I'm happy that he was able to get some semblance of justice out of it. Mm. But yeah, I just, I love, I love reading and finding out about like cold cases that are solved because just the sheer fact that technology has just advanced so much that we can yeah. figure it out. Yeah, I wish more cold cases could be solved that way. Or, like, DNA being found or, like, smaller amounts being required. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mitochondrial DNA becoming a thing, understanding how that works better. They found another, uh, I don't remember what it was, but I was reading an article about it a while back where they f- they think they found another unique sequencing in people to, like, the parentage that would oh, wow. would benefit, like, like how mitochondrial DNA does. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, eventually I'm going to cover the case that happened uh, with some people that I know around here. And that was another one that was uh, solved due to technology just catching up to what they needed it to be. Okay. And some just fucking sheer ass luck <laughs> on how how the uh, items were stored that kept everything preserved better. Well, but I'm anyway, what are that. you talking about? Well, what this is called is the... Cenotis uh, horrenda. You're about to uh, about to enjoy a little story about a trial. So picture it: Rome, 897, <laughs> in the Basilica of Saint John Lateran, Pope Formosus is being put on trial. Formosus was dressed in his papal best with his vestments, uh, and he's you know seated on the big throne for the trial, uh, and he's being defended by a deacon of the church. The trial ended with Formosus being found guilty. He was stripped of his vestments, and the three fingers on his right hand that he used for blessings were cut off. All of his acts of, and ordinations were all invalidated, and he was cast out. I should also mention, Pope Formosus had been dead for seven months. <laughs> there was an era of like great political strife uh, for the Holy Roman Empire around this time. Uh, I mean, most of the time, but especially around this time. Uh, between the 9th and 10th century, there were a lot of uh, high turnover popin going on. <laughs> between the years 1872 and 19, I'm not, not 19, 976, uh, two dozen popes were appointed, uh, with 896 to 904 seeing a new pope for each year. 
The prosecutor of this trial was one Pope Stephen the seventh or the sixth. Uh, there's some controversy over controversy over how many uh, Stevens there were. And he had just become Pope, likely due to some of this political mumbo jumbo regarding Roman factions. This Pope go round was considered to be mostly just politics, people fighting uh, to put someone they liked in or that they trusted so that uh, the papacy at this time uh, was the one that decided who would be the Holy Roman Emperor. Uh, So previous popes were actively assassinated or died of mysterious circumstances. Poison. Yeah. So, Formosus, for example, died of stroke or maybe poison. A poison stroke. Poison stroke. A stroke of poison. <laughs> that sounds like something a Pokemon would do. A poison stroke. I just uh, imagine that uh, Yzma from Emperor's New Groove. Just like the poison. The poison for the stroke. Cusco's <laughs> poison. Uh, yes, yeah, so mysterious circumstances. His predecessor, Boniface the Sixth, uh, served for only 15 days. Man, rough time to be a pope. Let's rewind for a second because I need to explain how we got here to this trial. During the pontificate of John VIII, who was, by the way, poisoned by his own people, Formosus was big out doing his missionary thing. He was super successful at spreading Christianity across Bulgaria. Uh, And John was just chilling back out in Rome. He was chilling out, maxing, relaxing all cool on his pope throne. And uh, he was like, yo, wait. I'm supposed to be the coolest Catholic boy, not this guy. And so in his jealousy, he accused Formosus of perjury, publicly aspiring to popedom, uh, and also being the bishop of two different areas at once, one being Porto in Rome and uh, the other being in Bulgaria. So in 882, Formosus actually returned to Rome after Johnny the Pope was assassinated. Uh, I'm sorry, I should, sorry. So, because of these accusations, he excommunicated uh, Formosus. So, he was no longer... Yeah. Uh, So, then he comes back in 882, and Formosus gets reinstated by Pope Marinus I. Also a cool name. So, Formosus grew more influential, and uh, nine years and three popes later, he was elected (laughs) to Pope himself. Nine years and three popes later. (laughs) What a unique uh, measurement of time. As Pope, Formosus was popular among the people, but not so popular in politics, and thus stroke or poison. Boniface VI, who I said uh, served for like two weeks, was the only buffer between Formosus and Stephen VII-VI. Stephen had found favor with the political enemies of Formosus. There's some speculation that it was all because of the uh, Spoleto family, a powerful, wealthy family who wanted to humiliate Formosus, even in death because of the actions he took against him and you're gonna you're gonna like this uh (laughs) because when you're pope and you can call the shots the earlier pope or the earlier part of his popedom his popeship uh formosus had crowned lambert of spoleto as co-emperor to his father guy the third who was then the reigning emperor that's all well and good until formosus decides he's changed his mind and puts the crown on the head of a guy named arnulf of carinthia instead deposing guy and sons hre uh so arnulf by the way should mention died around the same time as formosus which is just a little sus uh lambert and his family was however supported by stephen so stephen uh this new pope has formosus disinterred and puts him on trial for all of these things that john remember him uh had accused him of two decades prior 
So the body was exhumed, dressed in its fancy vestments, and sat upon a throne with the deacon defense attorney. Uh, I think the best part about this for me is that Stephen allegedly expected the defense to speak for Formosus and like had him crouch behind the throne to speak as if he were in fact Formosus. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like the worst kind of Muppet show. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Now now I'm just thinking of the two old guys on the top of the balcony (laughs) with the Muppets. Yes, Statler and Waldor. (laughs) Yes. Uh, oh, so Stephen is screaming at this corpse this whole trial, continuing to try to, you know, make him confess or something. I don't know. An earthquake happens. It's crazy. Uh, of course, Formosus is found guilty and he's stripped of his church- churchly titles. His papal decrees were invalidated. He was dressed in rags. As I mentioned, his three fingers on his right hand were uh, cut off and he was placed in a common grave. But Stephen's not quite done. Of course not. That common grave? That's too good for Formosus. His body is dug up yet again and then thrown into the Tiber River. A monk later found this body and uh, gave him a proper but common burial. So, again, this is a fairly obscene thing to do. I feel like if you didn't by, know that. by most standards, yes. Yeah. Even in the Dark Ages, this was <laughs> fairly, fairly un... Not... Not, not, it was frowned upon. It was yeah. frowned upon. <laughs> uh, and the people didn't like it and they had had enough. And it's almost like, man, it's really too bad when people do shit that's really fucking crazy and the people get upset about it. They should, you know, be given justice. But no, but not no. in 2020. <laughs> not in 892 and not 892 no they did it in 892 because they'll Obviously. throw out the death penalty for just about anything in that's 892 fair. Fair. so he they protested and they demanded his removal and steven was then stripped of his title thrown in jail and later was strangled to death that same year strangled like like as an execution like or just yep. like strangled in prison <laughs> like strangled i that that's that's uh not clear i assume they are one in the same whether they let, you know, uh, Doug next door do it or whether the <laughs> whether the executioner did it, I don't really think it mattered. Good old Doug the Strangler. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yes, that trial was in January and he was dead by August. Pope Romanus would overturn the conviction of Formosus, but was overthrown himself less than a year later. Uh, and uh, Formosus was actually stuck in his commoner's grave until Pope Theodore II with a stunning 20-day reign, recovered the corpse. His successor, Pope John IX, had Formosus reinstated with his titles and placed back in his original tomb at St. Peter's Ecclesia. So I just want to, like, isn't... I mean, I'm not a Christian, but... Isn't it, like, one of the big ones to just fucking kill people? Isn't that one of the big sins? I don't know. Uh, oh, he also, uh, John the Ninth also forbade future trials against the dead. So thanks, John. Thanks, John Nine. <laughs> Appreciate you. And that is the story of the Cadaver Synod, or the corpse trial of Pope Formosus, which just tickles me every time I hear it. The best part is, uh, like, there's so many theories about what actually happened because there's so much politically going on. Uh, and then other people are just like, no, Stephen was just crazy. <laughs> He's just insane. Just bash it. And I'm like, I like to believe both are true. 
<laughs> we can have both. It's like that girl in the tacos commercial. <laughs> both. Both was good. So yeah, that's uh that's what I got. Mine wasn't super long, but boy howdy was in an adventure. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm I'm almost honestly impressed with how many people they had just ready to like try to be, be the Pope. Why would you accept Popedom? Like why would you say yeah, sure. I uh, saw that guy was only on board for 20 days, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> Just like become Pope and are murdered in the same day. Yes. <laughs> a reign of six hours. Dang. Like <laughs> the two weeks was rough. And then like just a few popes later, it was 20 days. And I'm like, oh, my God. Literally. Oh, my God. What is happening? <laughs> I wonder if there was, like, some big Pope murdering racket that was happening, too. Like, were there a bunch of mercenaries making a bunch of money off of killing old religious men? I wish there were more records. I want to (laughs) know. Guess you don't keep records of your your Pope killing racket, though. Yeah, probably not. Probably want less less evidence of the crimes. Well, with that, thank you for joining us today as we discussed this dirty clergy. We hope that you will reach out to us with your own experiences. We want your stories, your questions, and your feedback. So just send us an email at strangeunusualpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're sending a listener story, we just ask that you put listener story in the subject line so that we can sort through those a little more easily. Let us know if you're if you're liking this new uh, format we got going oh, on. Oh, yeah, that's, for sure. That's my big question. I want to know how you like this. Because I like it. I like, I like doing- it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Oh my. Anyway. Um, do you know any corpses that were on trial? It's, do you also want to plug James? <laughs> do you also want to plug James? I think a lot of people want to plug James. I pro- I, yeah, I think so. I think He's a right. handsome man. Yeah. He's probably listening. I'm, I stand by it. <laughs> you can also find us on Instagram at strange underscore unusual underscore podcast. Or our personal accounts, Roy Rampage and Calamity Casey, where we post the weird shit in our personal lives. You can find us on Twitter at underscore strange unusual, at Calamity Casey and at Roy Rampage. We're on Facebook as well. Just search for the Strange and Unusual podcast. We're also both kind of streaming and you can check us out at twitch.tv slash Calamity Casey and twitch.tv slash Roy Rampage. Speaking of, I want to tell you real quick, my gang really wants to see the rest of your picture. Yeah, I wanted to work on it more, but then my period hit me like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, punch you in the uterus. Yeah. No drawing! <laughs> no doing anything. No, ex- Only wishing for death. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to, you can join us over on patreon.com slash strangeunusual. Uh, we post bonus episodes. We just got uh, the Sunday before this episode comes out. Um, we had the omen go up and then this coming up sunday which will be the 30th we should have a very 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 terrible true crime story uh going up it's it's rough guys but it's so good um you also get access to our discord you get access to tell us what we're gonna talk about um polls and things like that or even just the like top tier is to just straight tell us what you want us to talk about we will cover any case um but we totally understand right now with everything going on you know covid's still happening Black lives still mattering. Asian Pacific Islander lives still mattering. Yep. Uh, and, you know, the consistent 
murder and destruction of indigenous women. Uh, yeah. But it's not let's great stop, still. Let's stop those mass shootings too while we're at it. Yeah. If we could just quit with that, uh, that'd be great. There's a lot going on in the world which might hinder you from supporting us uh, financially, which we totally get. So if you can, just send us a like, a share, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, Say anything... something nice about us on your game stream. <laughs> anything um, anything five stars on Apple Podcasts, I will read on air, even if it's mean. I don't care. I have no shame. This bitch talks about corpse a lot. Five star. <laughs> <laughs> this bitch dumb can't pronounce anything that's not English. Five stars. <laughs> We won't know which one of us you're talking about. But I was going to say, both bitch dumb cannot spell. <laughs> Five stars. Are we just going to end the episodes now with us saying mean things about ourselves? Yeah, why not? Five That's stars. a funny way to end it. Also, I don't know what we're doing for next week, so we can't Oh shit! where we're going. Uh, it's a surprise! We'll, we'll announce something on social media. Bye! Bye! <laughs>